0: What an honor it is to see each of your faces and and uh, some new faces today. And what an honor it is to have you here at Lover's Lane. I promise you there's not a better church on the planet than right here at Lover's Lane United Methodist Church. Yes. Now today you guys get me. The really handsome part of me is in Tulsa, Oklahoma today. So I love you, honey. Um, and we miss you. Um, Mom and dad are here, though, so we're good. Um, we are in a series called Fixer Upper. I love you. Fixer Upper. Now, I'm in the middle of fixing up my home. And I will tell you, you got to call on Jesus a lot when you're fixing something up, right? It, it, it's not as easy as that television show makes it. I mean, they make it so easy. You got this dark, drabby looking place. And then the next picture you see, it looks like something, well, from a magazine or on TV, right? And they just made it happen. Immediately. And then not only that, but sometimes she goes in a junk store to do it. I'm like, how do you go through and rummage junk and then you find all this beautiful stuff and this home looks totally different, right? That's not the way I'm finding it to be in a fixer-upper. Picking paint, picking flooring, making sure it all matches, making sure it will last, all of these questions. <laughs> Fixer upper is not easy. So last week we talked about, do you remember what we talked about? Greed to generosity. How's that going for you this week? We've prayed over those cards, right? We prayed over the name that we wrote down for greed and then what generosity meant to us. And I have to be honest with you, at least a thousand times my toes got stepped on once again in the reminder of that card and what I wrote down what it meant. Well, today it's anger to courage. Anger to courage. Nobody in here gets angry, right? Oh, come on. Jesus is not pleased when we tell stories, y'all. Uh-uh. From anger to courage. So in this series, we've looked at Mark a lot, the book of Mark. I I love the book of Mark. And um, what we've come to realize is there's this growing resistance from the Pharisees to Jesus, right? They're looking at him to fail, and not just fail, but epically fail. Like they're desperately trying to bring him down. At the same time, though, what I love about Mark is that what we're discovering about Jesus is that more and more he's becoming the servant. The servant. The Bible even says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. So I want you to keep this in mind as we read our text for today. And our text for today comes from Mark 3, 1 through 6. If you guys want to stand as we read the word this morning. Jesus returned to the synagogue. Uh Uh-oh. So just keep that in mind because you know who's in the synagogue, right? The Pharisees. The people that are looking for something wrong with him. So keep that in mind. Jesus returned to the synagogue. A man with a withered hand was there. Wanting to bring charges against Jesus, they were watching Jesus closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. He said to the man with the withered hand, step up where people can see you. He's like, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, we're going to make it right. Then he said to them, is it legal on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they said nothing, looking around at them with anger. Deeply grieved at their unyielding hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he did, and his hand was made healthy. At that, the Pharisees got together with the supporters of Herod and plan how to destroy Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. So here's the deal. At that time, there were many, 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 many rules about what should happen, what could happen, what couldn't happen. And it all had to do a lot with on the Sabbath. If you did these things or worked on the Sabbath, you were dishonoring God. That was what the rule was about. One of the things you couldn't do was heal someone unless it was life-threatening, right? In fact, here's an interesting fact that I read when I was studying this. If a wall fell on a person on the Sabbath, you could move the wall just enough to make sure he wasn't dying. I had to go back and read that again, but I'm serious. That's what it said. And it said, but if he was just had a broken arm (laughs) or leg, just let it go. You had to just leave him there until the next day. Then you could come back and help him. Okay, that's ridiculous, right? That's what Jesus thought too. So today we're talking about moving from anger to courage. And so when I looked up the word anger... A strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. When you get angry, are you annoying? That seems like an understatement when I get angry, right? Usually in my term, Jeff will just look at me and I'm like, Honey, today is one of those days you just want to open a can of Leviticus on somebody, right? And if you don't know what that means, you haven't read that chapter, you need to go read that chapter. It's way worse than our terminology. Trust me if you've read Leviticus. But you get in those moments that you don't understand why are we in the world we're in today or why are people making the decisions. It's like by a vow, what is going on, right? It makes you angry. The first thing we can learn from Jesus' actions in this story is that anger can open our eyes to the needs around us. Do you know that? Anger can open our eyes to the need And the needs around us. That doesn't mean. Maybe. Anger is 100% correct. Maybe it is. But maybe it's more about what you do with the anger. Right? So Jesus was brought to this place. Where his eyes were open. When he realized. The Pharisees weren't going to do anything to help this man. Because why? It was on the Sabbath. So he didn't. They, didn't, they weren't going to do anything people that could help now here's what I believe I believe they were upset with Jesus because they couldn't do anything and Jesus could and it made them mad sometimes people get mad because you can do something that they can't and so instead of taking it out on themselves for not trying they take it out on you and they're upset with you but that's another sermon for another day but I believe that's what was going on here they couldn't do what Jesus could do so they were angry And the way they could get out of that anger is saying, Well, he's breaking the rules because it's the Sabbath. We We have a choice in how we respond in that anger. Jesus had a choice. And so I love it. He didn't scream or yell or seek revenge, He didn't avoid anybody. He said, Hey, stretch out your hand. He said, Stretch out your hand. And then what happened? you got to also know it took a lot of faith for that man to do that. Because that man also knew Jesus was breaking the rules. But what we've learned in this is that Jesus was far more about loving the people than he was about what the rules were. Hello? How many feel like deja vu right now? Let me say that one more time because I feel like some of y'all weren't with me on that. (laughs) Y'all, think about it. Jesus loved the people far more than he loved the rules. What if Rosa Parks hadn't broke the rules? One of the greatest areas I've seen in anger in my life recently has been my boss, Stan Copeland. When everything and what he has stood for in his ministry for how many years, and I won't say that because he'll get on to me because I'll tell his age. But I've had the opportunity in the past three years to watch this man stand in his anger and instead of acting in his anger, he stood in his anger and it went from anger to courage to stand for what is right because the rules were not right. I've seen him fight in meetings. And when I say fight, it's in class all the way. But it's because of a need that he saw. He went and he sat at the front of that bus when they said, no, you can't sit there. He is sitting there. It's been really cool to watch in your own life someone that has said, you know what? This is making me angry, but I'm not going to act in my anger. I'm going to stand in courage. Because what my anger has brought to mind is what I'm seeing in the injustice that's happening around me. (laughs) What I love is that Pastor Stan has had that yielded heart. What the Pharisees didn't have. A yielded heart. How do we stop and how do we how do we draw that line? It is the heart. It's our heart yielding to go, what is God speaking? What is God saying in this moment? Where I go from I am super upset with what we call righteous anger to what am I going to do with this? Because courage takes action. You can't have courage and sit there. You can be angry and sit there. The second thing we can learn from Jesus is that courage then motivates us to act. So our anger has brought us this place to see in it, but then our courage motivates us to what are we going to do about it. So some of us this morning, I would contend to say, you've been in a place where you know, Something is just not right. But everybody around you has said, "Uh uh-uh, don't mess with it, because this is just what you have to do. Jesus was standing there in a place where he knew those people that were standing there enforcing the rules were going to kill him. He knew that this was one more step in his demise. Now, isn't it interesting that it was the church? So I also believe that part of his anger was because this is from church people. God loves people more than he loves the rules. I also love the story of Susan B. Anthony was arrested for voting in her hometown. An important moment that would give women the right to vote. What if she had just not shown up that day? We would be way behind today, wouldn't we? What if different people gave up on the rights of our LGBTQ community in the church, of the UMC church? I'm thankful that we haven't given that up. I'm thankful that we have said, you know what? God loves all people and he got no favorites. Did y'all hear that? God loves all people and he had, and I know that's not good English. I know my husband would be like, honey. But I want you to understand he doesn't have a favorite. All of these people turned anger and injustice into courage. <laughs> the ability to do something that frightens one, strength in the face of pain or grief becomes courage. Here's what I know. Each of you are facing something in your life where you know that it takes an enormous amount of courage. Maybe it's a doctor's appointment. Maybe it's when you pull out your your checkbook and you're like, Ooh, it takes courage to look at the amount. Maybe you sit there and you go, It takes courage to go to work every day and not be able to live in who I am. Or it takes courage to go to church because the church hurt me. Or maybe some of you sit there and you look and you say, "Dee, you have no idea that it takes courage to me because I've been in broken relationship one right after the other, and it's taken courage for me to even walking the door." Maybe some of you would sit there today and say, "You know what, Dee?" You have no idea the courage that I've had to muster up just to exist and get out of bed every day. And here's the deal. You would be right. I have no idea. But what I can tell you is that God knows better than you know. Because God knows how to help us take our anger and he knows how to give us the courage that we need to get through any circumstance that we are living in, about to face what yesterday brought us, what tomorrow will bring. God can give you what you need in that moment. And God never, ever, ever is going to leave you or forsake you. So if you think... You're fighting that battle alone. What did Josh just tell us? It may look like you're surrounded, but you know what you're surrounded by? Not your circumstance. You're surrounded by Jesus. That's where your courage comes from. Probably, um, I realized at the beginning of my music career, I was 14 when I signed my first contract. And we used to do it way different than we do it today. Um, but I was 14 years old. And I have to tell you, at that time, um, you go through a lot in, in, in learning what ministry means because my whole family had been a part of ministry. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm lighting into this place in my life of, of moving right along. And, and I, had kn- I had known literally since I was 10 years old what God called me to do. I had known my whole life. 14 is when I finally went, okay, Lord, here we go. I'm setting off on this journey. So about, now it's been about five and a half years ago, I had just returned from a trip from Northern Ireland. It was one of the most beautiful trips with one amazing team. We traveled for three weeks doing services there. Came home, I am on fire for God. Like I saw God do thing after thing after thing after thing. And it's not even four days that I'm back home. And I had a brand new pastor. They had changed out. You know how the Methodist Church does it. They had switched it out. And while we were gone, we had a new pastor when we got back. And I had the proverbial, hey, Dee, come here. I need to talk to you a minute. Brand new lady pastor. I went, on, sure, what do you need? What can kind I of help? Everything, you're getting settled? And she said, I have to be honest with you. She said, I think you being in ministry is really a mistake. She said, I think you need to probably really reconsider what God has called you. To She said, because I think just you being in this place and you being in this area in your life, it's just not a fit for you. Well, I had had women mean to me a lot in my life. I had never had a woman look at me and something I had known since I was 10 years old tell me, You're a mistake. And a pastor. One of my good friends was down the hall and heard the whole thing. And she just came and caught me. And she said, please don't listen to any of that. But in that moment, it took my breath away. And I had a choice. So I did like anybody else does. I got on my phone and called Jeff. And of course, Jeff is angry. If you've never seen Jeff angry, it's crazy. Because it's still very nice and very together. But I had a choice do I listen? Do I stay angry because of what this person said to me? Or do I find the courage to take one step at a time and figure out, God, where are you taking me now? I had been in this church 10 years. I had devoted everything I had. We had built a huge program. We had worked hard. We had worked hard through some pretty major, major things that had come against us. And now all of a sudden I'm told I'm a mistake. Anybody else been there? (laughs) Don't leave me hanging. Well, I will tell you, I'm thankful for God's grace and his mercy because that courage is why I'm here today. I walked in this building three years ago and I went upstairs and I met with this man with really good hair and glasses. I sat at his table and you don't, he never sits at his desk. If You go see Stan, he's never at his desk. He sits at this little table and he said, deity, I want you to sit right there. And I wasn't sitting there 30 minutes, and before I left, both of us were just in tears. Because I had a man look at me and tell me, listen, I don't know you well, but I know that God has anointing on your life, and I know that you being here is not a mistake. How he would never know what those words meant to me. Because then in that moment, it took closure from being this angry person that had dedicated my whole life to ministry to all of a sudden, I know God had a reason. And we move forward in that anger and we move forward with a courage that only God can give. And then someone's going to look at you and say, you know what? You're not a mistake. There's a very real reason why you're here. Absolutely. Some of you have been looked at and told you're a mistake. Some of you have been told your decisions and your choices are a mistake. Some of you have been told, you know what? You you don't bring a lot of value to the circumstance or the situation. And God says, yes, you do. God says, you're not a mistake. God says, I love you just like you are. And God says, you know what? We're going to figure it out together. And God says, you know what? (laughs) There is nothing that you can or have to do to ever earn the love that I have for you. And I'm going to give you the courage and I'm going to help you find it from deep within who you are. Now, I have to tell you, I wore my shirt today because I love me some Dolly. (laughs) I'm serious. Because it says guts, grit, and lipstick. And for me, that's what it's been. I've had to dive in with some grit and some guts and wear a lot of lipstick. You don't want to see me without a lipstick, it's not pretty. Sometimes you got to dive in with guts and grit and know. And know that you're still doing the right thing. You're making that arm whole, or you're bringing that situation to a play to make it whole. Whatever that is for you. The best example was when Jesus said, you know what? Come on, stretch your hand out anyway. And we know that even doing that, they killed him. But what happened is through his death, he brought redemption. And I don't ever have to worry about it again. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for your grace that provides through the time of anger. (laughs) When I don't understand, but I know I need to do the right thing, so I need your courage to be within me to do the right thing. And God, thank you for my anger showing me what is sometimes the right thing. But Father, thank you for the ability to stop in the midst of that anger and stand for what I know is right. Thank you for those that do lead the way. Those that have set an example. God, for someone in this room today that needs your courage. God, someone in this room today that needs to know, God, that yes, what they feel What they know is the right thing, and they just need the courage to move. I pray, God, that you will supply them with strength and courage. To know that where their help comes from is not from within, but their help comes from you. Because you love people more than you love rules. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this time. We give you glory and we give you honor in your precious name.